and welcome to Design Considerations, discussions by engineers for anyone interested in learning design. My name is Ed Bray, and I will be your host for today's discussion in our circuit protection series titled Fuse Basics. I'm a technical sales and applications engineer with AEM Group located in Raleigh, North Carolina. Today, I will be talking with Mark Belden. Mark has been focused on circuit protection technologies for the past 29 years. He was a vice president with Whitman Circuit Protection Products, now a part of Little Fuse for 14 years, and currently serves as regional sales engineer with Fuses Unlimited, where he has been for the past 15 years. Mark's alma mater is the University of Illinois, where he holds a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering. Hi, Mark. Thank you for taking time today to help us understand more about circuit protection and what we need to keep in mind when approaching a design that will need circuit protection. Thanks, Ed. It's a pleasure uh, getting to share with you on this subject today. So when you're facing a design needing circuit protection, uh, what are some of the things a designer should think about? Circuit protection actually covers a broad range of component types that are intended to protect against internal faults as well as external or environmental threats. These include overvoltage events such as lightning, line surges, brownouts, or power cross conditions. Electrostatic discharge or so-called ESD events are very high short duration static discharge events between two surfaces that can damage sensitive circuitry. Unexpected changes in ambient or internal circuit temperatures have to be considered as well. But today, I'd really like to focus on overcurrent protection of equipment, namely the proper selection of fuses. Well, well why are fuses so important? Uh, Ed, fuses are really important because they ensure that under fault conditions, a high fault current cannot flow as well as protecting the installation and more importantly, ensuring that the consumer or equipment operator uh, is not injured or killed as a result of a fault. A fuse is a current sensitive device designed as an intentional weak link in the circuit. The fuse provides protection by reliably and irreversibly opening under a short circuit or overload condition. Its purpose is to simply protect the equipment, the associated wiring, and people. Most fuses simply consist of an outer body, two conductors, a filament, and sometimes an internal filler. Even though Thomas Edison invented fuses back in the 1890s, they have even greater relevance today. In a given day, a person may interact with devices containing between 50 and 100 fuses, including home appliances, consumer electronics, office equipment, and vehicles. Hmm. It's been my experience over the years that fuses don't get any attention until the very end of the design project. Why is that? Unfortunately, that's all too common the case. The circuit's operating calcu current calculations are generally not known until the equipment and its hundreds of components have been selected, laid out, and tested for proper functionality. Tight project deadlines typically lead to a hasty fuse selection, which isn't researched adequately, when in fact that can lead to potential problems down the road. Testing of various fuses can be as important as testing of the more expensive ICs they are intended to protect. 
Can you walk us through the fuse selection process for equipment operating, say, at or below 250 volts? Sure. The basic fuse parameters to be considered are regulatory, which involves safety agency standards governing the actual equipment as well as the fuses. Ambient temperatures, circuit operating voltages, normal operating currents, expected fault currents or overload conditions, energy let through in the circuit, and sometimes life cycle impact also will determine the fuse selection. The objective of an equipment safety standard is to prescribe a set of construction and testing criteria that will ensure the equipment's proper and safe operation. The same holds true for low voltage fuse standards. While there are dozens of fuse standards worldwide, the two predominant ones are UL248, which is issued by Underwriters Labs, and the European IEC 60127, which is issued by the International Electrotechnical Commission. Canada issues a nearly identical standard to the UL248 standard. It's called CSA C22.2. As I'll explain shortly, these are mutually exclusive documents with some competing criteria. This means if a fuse fully meets the UL standard, it cannot fully meet the IEC standard. A design engineer must first reference their relevant equipment standard to determine if it lists a specific type or size fuse to be used. This is especially important if the circuit voltage is 120 or 250 volts. If the circuit voltage is under 120 volts, the designer typically has much more flexibility on the type of fuse to be used. An approval, as determined by an independent testing agency, certifies conformance to a specific standard. Approvals are granted to both end-user equipment and fuses only after satisfactory testing has been performed. Fuse approval examples are a UL listing, which is denoted by a UL inside of a circle, CSA certification, which is the, the letters S and A inside of a C, uh, VDE, which is uh, German, and SIMCO, which is Swedish, which is denoted by an S inside of a circle. If a fuse fully complies with all criteria in the UL248 standard at 120 or 250 volts, it can display the UL listing logo, once again, the UL inside of a circle, and CSA certification for use in North America. If a fuse fully complies with all criteria in the IEC 6127 standard at 250 volts, it can display the VDE and or Simcoe logos for use in Europe and most of the rest of the world, including Asia. However, there are variations of these approvals that I won't detail today, but one is relevant. Years ago, UL, CSA, and VDE began a marketing program offering a so-called recognition approval on fuses. The logo examples are UL recognition, which is uh, the backwards UR logo that you may be familiar with, and a VDE logo. The difference is it's a, the letters VDE inside of a triangle, but not on a base as the regular VDE approval is. VDE refers to their uh, program as a certificate of conformity. 
In simpler terms, this recognition implies the fuse manufacturer only chose to meet a subset of the fuse standards criteria, sometimes only a few tests. Because of this, it's very important the designer research the conditions of acceptability pertaining to the fuse and its protective effect on their end product. The fuse may or may not be acceptable in their application. Because of this, many fuses built to the IEC 6127 standard also carry the UL recognition logo in addition to the European VDE and SIMCO approvals. But since these two fuse standards are not identical, it is impossible to have a UL listed fuse also carry European approvals. Wow, that, that's a mouthful. All I want to do is to know how to pick the right fuse. What next? There are several aspects to consider. Uh, the first after fuse approvals is the designer needs to pick the package type and size that fits their application physically. There are cylindrical fuses such as the common 5 by 20 millimeter or 6.3 by 32 millimeter cartridge fuse, which can be put into open fuse clips, an open fuse block, or a totally enclosed shock safe fuse holder. They can even be provided with wire leads for direct soldering to PC boards. Smaller fuse examples are the axial leaded Pico fuse, which resembles the old quarter watt resistor, or a radial leaded fuse that resembles a top hat. Both styles are compact, can be used up to 250 volts, and be direct soldered or used in a fuse holder. Next, the well-known automotive blade fuses can also be used in a range of applications. Lastly, there are over a dozen sizes of surface mount fuses on the market for very small spaces. These two offer voltage ratings up to 250 volts and as high as 40 to 50 amp current ratings. The leaded and surface mount types are well suited for high volume auto assembly applications. Next, I'll go over the key selection parameters, but the one most overlooked is the derating of fuses when ambient temperatures around the equipment exceed room temperature. Fuse elements by nature are intended to physically melt under certain overcurrent conditions. If the ambient temperature one centimeter from the fuse is very hot, that fuse may melt or blow too quickly. For this, fuse manufacturers provide derating curves. Basically, the curves show ambient temperature versus a percent derating of the fuse's current rating. So assume a one amp fuse can carry one amp of current at room temperature, but at 60 degrees Celsius, that same fuse can only carry 920 milliamps of current, which means it has an 8% derate factor. Fuses that are referred to as time delay or time lag types have even greater derate percentages, sometimes as high as 25%. So you need to look for these derating curves in the manufacturer's literature. At this point, it's best for the designer to have the fuse manufacturer's data sheet in front of them to pick the, the correct fuse rating. One of the parameters is voltage rating. That's the easiest. The application circuit voltage should not exceed the fuse's rated voltage shown on the data sheet. If the fuse is rated for 250 volts AC, 
then you can use that fuse at or below 250 volts AC. Some fuses also include DC voltage ratings if your equipment is a DC application. If no DC voltage rating is provided for the fuse, a good rule of thumb is to multiply its AC voltage rating by 50% to get the equivalent DC voltage rating. As an example, a 250 volt AC rated fuse will work safely at 125 volts DC or below. But if you have doubts on this point, just ask the manufacturer. The current rating of a fuse identifies its current carrying capacity based on a controlled set of test conditions. The current rating the designer chooses must be equal to or greater than the full load operating current of the circuit and lower than the lowest expected overload current. But you have to keep these two caveats in mind. One, the ambient temperature discussed previously has to be factored in which may lead to picking a higher fuse rating, and two, the applicable fuse standard, UL versus IEC, dictates how to pick, pick the correct fuse rating. To boil it all down, if you're using a fuse built to the UL248 standard, you have to automatically oversize the fuse by 25 to 30%. This means if your circuit operating current is one amp, then the minimum fuse rating has to be 1.4 amps or greater. Conversely, if you're using a fuse built to the European standard, you don't have to oversize the fuse except for higher ambient temperatures. This means if your circuit operating current is one amp, then the minimum fuse rating has to be one amp or greater. Mm. Okay, I, I get that. Current, voltage, and even temperature levels are the basic building blocks of any electrical or electronic circuit. Uh, but what about time? I mean, how does a fuse hold up under maximum current, voltage, and with temperature, both max and minimum? The key difference is that's regularly overlooked and dovetails in our next parameter is time versus current characteristics or I versus T characteristics. All fuse data sheets provide these curves for each available current rating. The designer should first estimate the typical and worst case fault conditions they need to protect their equipment against. These curves show fault current on the X axis and the fuse's blowing time on the Y axis. Keep in mind there can be a 10% tolerance in these blowing times. Simply note the fault current on the X axis then you trace upwards until it intersects with the specific fuse ratings curve. Then you trace left over to the y-axis to read off the fuse's blowing time. The target blowing time needs to be quick enough to protect the equipment, but long enough to prevent any nuisance fuse blowings. The terms fast acting, quick acting, time lag, and time delay are taken from the fuse standards and distinguish the blowing times of different fuse series. Fast acting fuses typically blow in a few milliseconds at two times their rated current, while time lag fuses can stay intact for several seconds at two times their rated current. Time lag fuses are typically used in inductive or capacitive loads like power supplies where there is initial current spike or inrush at startup. 
Next parameter is called interrupt rating or also referred to as braking capacity, and it's also critical. It's expressed as the maximum fault current the fuse can safely withstand at a specific operating voltage. Fuses have a braking capacity that is greater than the available fault current to ensure the fuse does not explode, rupture, or outgas, leading to equipment damage or harm to people. Some braking capacity ratings can be several thousand amps. Typical scenarios are short circuit conditions that equipment may see under a catastrophic fault. The most overlooked and misunderstood fuse parameter is melting integral. It is the thermal energy required to melt the fuse element and is expressed as amps squared times seconds or simply I squared T. Manufacturers typically tested at 10 times the fuse's current rating since it's a consistent measurement unaffected by voltage or temperature fluctuations. Melting integral is not really a concern for circuit voltages below 120 or 250 volts, but it does come into play where equipment sees turn on inrush currents above the fuse's current rating and or the equipment sees multiple turn ons during its equipment life. A good example would be a laptop or a desktop PC power supply, which may see 10,000 turn-on cycles in its lifetime. The designer should calculate the energy, amp squared seconds, in a single turn-on inrush pulse waveform. Then prorate this energy over the power supply's life using what's called a pulse factor, which is provided by the fuse manufacturer. The chosen fuse's melting integral must exceed the energy measured in the turn-on inrush pulse multiplied by this pulse factor in order to prevent a fuse nuisance blowing or tripping during the power supply's lifetime. Time lag or time delay fuses typically have higher associated pulse factors than fast acting fuses. This is due to the difference in metals used in the melting element between the fuse types. Pulsing a fuse above its rate of current does stress the fuse in very small increments over time. So this pulse factor accounts for this stressing during equipment turn-ons. Since this parameter can be quite tedious to calculate, I'd encourage designers to contact the fuse manufacturers for assistance and to perform testing at expected fault currents as well as life cycle tests to ensure the proper fuse rating. The last parameter to consider is the fuse's voltage drop. Since the primary purpose of a fuse is to be invisible to the circuit's normal operating status and also be a reliable and predictable weak link, voltage drop only comes into play for ratings at or below 500 milliamps. Above this value, voltage drops typically are negligible usually less than a half a volt drop. But fuses with very low current ratings can have inherent voltage drops between eight and 10 volts. This drop needs to be accounted for during circuit design and when operating currents are calculated for ensuring proper equipment operation. Fuse manufacturers can provide these values if the data sheet does not show them. Well, Ed, that wraps up my short checklist of points that the designer needs to account for regarding proper fuse selection. My advice is to allow enough time to do all these calculations, then request several samples of different fuse ratings for testing 
to ensure the correct rating is eventually selected. Thank you for taking time today to go over a few selection with me. Well, Mark, you've really given us a lot to consider. Thank you again for taking time to help us understand more about circuit protection and the things we need to keep in mind when integrating fuses into our designs. And thank you for listening. If you would like to be added to our mailing list, would like a copy of the transcript, or have topics you would like to hear discussed, go to our website at aemgrp.com and submit under the contact tab. Next time, we will be discussing Bluetooth low energy in our wireless series. Until that time, may your designs be safe, robust, and efficient. Goodbye for now.